Chinese goods are everywhere. More than half of the imported clothes to New Zealand now come from China. Chinese immigration has also become significant. Will the free trade deal turn these numbers into an unmanageable flood? While the free trade agreement with China is being touted as a huge opportunity for New Zealand, critics of the deal are less sure. They worry it will further undermine manufacturing in this country, and some accuse the government of putting trade ahead of human rights. But the Trade Minister Phil Goff defends the deal, saying it will deliver big benefits to exporters. We're paying more than $120 million a year in tariffs into China. Our services exports and our exports generally also face some uncertainties with behind-the-border barriers to trade. This gives us a chance to get our exports into the fastest-growing market in the world, a market that has more than 100 million people with reasonably high levels of disposable income, middle class at least by our standards, and that percentage is growing. And it gives us a real benefit in to one of our own fastest growing export markets. The benefit of removal of barriers, but also the benefit of having a higher profile, part of that higher profile is due to the fact that we are the first OECD country that has succeeded in negotiating uh, a good level of entry by our products without those barriers into the Chinese market. And it's the point business groups make. China is already a huge market, although still well shy of the size of the American economy, and it's growing fast. Charles Finney is the Chief Executive of the Wellington Regional Chamber of Commerce, and as a former trade negotiator, kicked off the negotiations with China. I just see this as win-win. Um, I think it's going to be positive for the Chinese, because as we all know, the benefits of, of trade liberalisation really flow uh, mostly to the liberaliser, so, so the Chinese officials are using this as another means by which they can help liberalise some more protected areas of the Chinese economy, and we will benefit from increasing trade flows, particularly exports. The Prime Minister, Helen Clark, says this country stands to gain most from the deal. We cannot be as successful as we would like to be in the Chinese market while we face discriminatory tariffs. That hurts us. On the other hand, China's goods come into New Zealand with virtually no impediment at all. So if there's an impression being given in questions that somehow the free trade agreement opens New Zealand up to vastly more Chinese goods on highly favourable terms, the reality is those goods can come in virtually unhindered now. My own view is that in a straight two-way trade perspective, the advantage is for New Zealand, but both countries have seen the strategic advantage of entering the FTA. She and Phil Goff have taken a delegation of business leaders to Beijing for the signing, recognition that it does represent a significant deal for New Zealand. Phil Goff says it will be the most important trade agreement for New Zealand since it signed the Closer Economic Relations Agreement with Australia in the 1980s. Two-way trade with Australia is now worth more than $23 billion a year, and it's this country's largest market. Trade with China is more modest, but still heading towards $10 billion a year. China is now New Zealand's fourth largest export destination and second most important source of imports behind Australia. A free trade agreement could see those figures boom. The National Party's trade spokesman Tim Grosser thinks so and is an enthusiastic supporter of the deal. 
It meets all the tests that the National Party, when it was the government, and of course I used to be its chief trade negotiator before I went into politics, meets all of the criteria the National pursued when it was last in power. Now in terms of its significance, I mean, first of all, people know that there's this standard estimate the officials have come up with between 250 and 400 million benefit a year. And that's each and every year. It's not just one hit. Well, I mean, you know, half a billion dollars is, is you don't want to throw that away. So it's, that's a significant sum. But at the end of the day, I know how these statistics are put together, and they are essentially based on current trade levels. That's a very, very conservative way of looking at this relationship. What we are seeing is the emergence of the world's second economic superpower that contains one in four people on the planet. It is eliminating poverty in literally the hundreds of millions as a consequence of stellar economic growth. The executive officer of the newly formed Chinese Business Roundtable Council of New Zealand, John Hong, also says this country stands to benefit most from the deal. I think there's huge potential. We'll have more opportunity between the New Zealand. We send more business people to China to have the business chance. On the other side, more Chinese investments will come and flow in New Zealand, which will do great benefit to New Zealand. The formation of your group, is that, is that a sign of the growing business between the two countries? And, and was it done in expectation of, of the free trade agreement? Yes, it's a good timing for us. The purpose is to further promote the relationship between two countries economically, culturally and politically. It's farmers who could benefit most if tariffs on dairy products and meat are wound back. The chief executive of Meat and Wool New Zealand, Mark Jeffries, says high tariffs on meat exports to China makes life tough for farmers and meat companies. These 12 to 25 percent tariffs, depending on the product cut in China, is an impediment that we'd like to, to remove and certainly see some reductions over time and hopefully eliminate one day. What's the size of that market at the moment? Last year we put $60 million worth of product, meat products into China for the year ended September and that was a growth of nearly 30% on the previous year. So this is a growing market in line with the, the population changes. The middle uh, incomes, uh, or middle class incomes are really climbing and uh, we see huge opportunities to uh, increase our sales of beef and lamb into that market. So in terms of the tariffs and what they're worth, and if we could remove those through the free trade agreement one day. If you take an average, let's say, of 15% on the product, 15% of $60 million is approximately $10 million a year, and so you know, that's a sizable amount of money. But with free trade agreements, you need to look at the long term, and, and you know, we should have aspirations in our industry to grow at market to something like $600 million per year. So a $10 million savings a year becomes a $100 million savings a year. And over the longer term, over, say, a 10-year period, it's a billion dollars that would be in a farmer's pockets, our industry's pockets, rather than in paying tariffs. The Trade Minister, Phil Goff, says there's a long-term plan to getting easier access to the Chinese market. By having a free trade agreement now, we get a real benefit over competitors that we face going into the Chinese market because we will have 
less barriers to trade than those countries that we're competing with. But if it had been the other way around, if New Zealand hadn't have been first, say we'd been 51st, then the boot would have been on the other foot and New Zealand exporters into China would have been heavily disadvantaged by the fact that other countries had signed such a deal but we'd remained out in the cold. So strategically it was important to get into this market. Another strategic factor is that with recession clouds looming in the American economy, one thing that Treasury and other economic commentators are saying is that the significant level of trade that we have with a country such as China, which is still growing at 10%, will certainly help insulate us against recession that might be occurring in other parts of the world. But if it's so good for New Zealand, the much smaller economy, what's in it for China? National's Tim Grosser. I suspect their exports to New Zealand are equivalent to a rounding error in their total exports. And, you know, that means that they aren't doing this for commercial reasons. They're doing this for policy reasons. And they're doing it because they understand, like we have, and like many, many other countries that while the WTO is absolutely the first best solution to everybody's problems, and I, when I was New Zealand ambassador to uh, the WTO and chairing the agriculture negotiations, I worked extremely closely with Chinese ministers and officials in that capacity as chairman. So they know that's the real agenda, but also everybody wants to pursue these FTAs. Then nobody's prepared to put all their eggs in the WTO basket, and China is no exception. So... They've used this country, New Zealand, which has a good political relationship. It has its problems, and we're going through that process in terms of the debate over Tibet and human rights issues in China right now. But they have a good relationship that's been quite stable through successive New Zealand governments, and they can essentially develop a model and some experience in negotiating these trade agreements. So the significance for China is not this agreement per se, but establishing a beacon or or a template, if you like, for FTAs for China's really significant trading partners. Politics, then, is a big driver for China, and it wants the kudos of doing a deal with a free market capitalist nation. It opens up the possibility that China, which is already negotiating with Australia, can then do similar deals with Europe, the United States and other rich nations. But there are fears here the deal will do further damage to the country's ailing textile, footwear and clothing industries. Robert Reid is the president of the National Distribution Union, which represents workers in those industries. Our worry is that if there is free trade overnight in that agreement, it will lead to real devastation and, and, and problems in New Zealand industries. As clothing and textile unions were put to the government at the very early stage of the negotiation process, that any cuts to tariffs should be phased out over a long period, much longer than the commitments that the government have given under the Bogor Declaration of APEC. And we are reasonably hopeful that uh, it's ta- the negotiators have taken those on board when they've been negotiating. Tariffs in those industries, the last few sectors in this country that still enjoy some protection, are coming down to 10% next year anyway. Under the deal it appears they won't be scrapped immediately, but phased out by 2015 to give firms more time to adjust to competition from tariff-free imports from China. And Robert Reid accepts that there's already very little protection for industries here. 
we would partially agree with that, and that's why you don't find us, if you like, uh, armed to the barricades <laughs> against a China a free trade agreement because um, the unilateral cuts that New Zealand has made to its own tariff regime have been far more drastic than what we hope will come out of the China agreement. So in that way, we are just as concerned about what will happen with New Zealand tariffs in general uh, post-2009 as we are specifically with the China tariffs. Charles Finney from the Wellington Chamber of Commerce doesn't believe the deal will make any difference to the flow of Chinese imports. If you look at the statistics, you can see that the flood of Chinese imports arrived several years ago and it's, it's continuing. The free trade agreement I don't think is going to have any radical impact on that uh, flood. But the Council of Trade Unions economist Peter Conway also has some reservations. Tariffs are already down to relatively small levels, but that doesn't mean that going to zero overnight would have a limited effect, it would have very damaging effects. So how long the phase down is, how they treat very sensitive products within the textile, clothing, footwear, carpets area, those are the sorts of details we'll be looking at very carefully. And equally, of course, there's expected to be phase-down periods in terms of dairy product going into China. Well, that's right, and while we would anticipate that the phase-down in that respect might be a bit later, we'll be very interested on what the differential is between when we get to zero and when China gets to zero, and hopefully that period will not be very far apart. A number of people, particularly I guess industry people, argue that that overall, I mean putting aside those sensitive industries, that overall because New Zealand has opened up so much and reduced tariffs and in fact taken tariffs away in many areas, that this is a big opportunity for New Zealand because it's opening up the Chinese market well, that's right. China's here. 60% of clothing imports are already from China, and China's our fourth largest export destination. But the question is, if we integrate our economy with such a low-wage economy, we will get more goods and services sold to China under the terms of the trade agreement. I'm sure of that. But we'll probably also get more firms going up there and relocating production up there. And quite how that balances out over a period of years is where the risk lies. The Trade Minister, Phil Goff, downplays those concerns. The natural uh, trend in economies in first world countries is that they lose some of those manufacturing, lower uh, cost manufacturing uh, bases to the developing world. It won't necessarily be China. China is now starting to lose some of those same uh, manufacturing areas to other countries like uh, the Southeast Asian countries, Thailand, etc. So this free trade agreement won't uh, speed up that trend. That trend was happening anyway as New Zealand as a first world uh, country looks at going to the higher end of the value chain and not the lower end. Uh, what this free trade agreement means is that we get compensating advantages for New Zealand goods uh, into China without, I think, in any way worsening relocation that might occur. The Green Party, though, opposes the deal, saying New Zealand firms won't be able to compete against cheap Chinese goods. Green MP, Keith Locke. You have kids of 12 working on Christmas toys at five US cents an hour. Uh, there's no way New Zealand industry can compete with uh, Chinese uh, labour standards. Um, so we're going to be missing out. What's left of our textile industry is going to disappear down the plug hole uh, and we won't have the manufacturing uh, base to provide the minimum skills required for a, a modern economy. Some say that that's already the case because our economy is so open that Chinese goods are coming in anyway. This at least gives New Zealand 
an opportunity to get into those Chinese markets. Well, it's true that uh, much of the damage has already been done, that uh, many New Zealand companies have decided to do their manufacturing in China. Some have gone bankrupt uh, because of the competition from a low-wage economy, but uh, surely the stripping away of all remaining uh, tariffs uh, will make it uh, worse. And the CTU has other concerns about the agreement. Peter Conway. We also have some concerns in the long run about how the temporary migration element has been included in this trade agreement. In principle, we'd prefer that bilateral migration agreements are done separately from trade rather than sneak in the back door as a services, mode for a services, meaning the movement of natural persons to deliver a service. So although uh, we'll wait and see precisely what's in this agreement, uh, there are some concerns that there's anything in there on temporary migration. Under the deal, firms will be able to bring in people with specialist Chinese skills, such as chefs and people with expertise in traditional Chinese medicine. It will also, however, allow Chinese workers to come into the country to cover skill shortages here, and that's of particular concern to unions. But under the agreement, which Radio New Zealand understands is restricted, the pay and conditions of temporary Chinese workers will have to meet this country's labour standards. They will not be able to undercut the rates paid to workers here. John Hong, of the Chinese Business Roundtable, says unions have nothing to worry about. That's the major concern from New Zealand regarding the labour importation to New Zealand. Actually, they only occupy an extremely small amount of the total labour. Chinese shop, for example, only occupy a small amount in New Zealand, huge market. So I don't think it has any huge influence or impact to the New Zealand labour market. And in what will be a first for China, alongside the free trade agreement, will also be separate agreements on labour and environmental standards. The CTU's Peter Conway says the test will be whether those agreements have any teeth. We're not naive about that. It will take a period of cooperation. But I think there is an opportunity in a bipartite trade agreement to model improvements in behaviour. And let's remember that we will have a very minor effect, but workers in China are already protesting about a lot of things. We read regularly about major strikes. One this month, uh, 4,000 workers protesting, 1,000 riot police dispersing them. There's a lot of protest activity about wages and all sorts of things in China now. So um, we will add to that pressure for workers' rights in China, but the determining factor will be what workers in China do. The Greens co-leader, Russell Norman, doesn't believe the separate agreements will make any difference at all. We've seen from the other preferential trade deals the government signed with these supposed labour and environmental agreements, they're just greenwash. There are a few officials get together once in a while, they have a bit of a chat, they have no effect. So in your view then, New Zealand shouldn't go ahead with the deal? We can't see what's, what's in it for the people of New Zealand. The, the, the Ministry of Fonterra Affairs and Trade are negotiating a deal to get more dairy into China and in return we're supposed to be quiet about the human rights problems in China. That's the deal and we don't like that deal. Greens say Chinese workers are poorly treated, unable to organise and badly paid. For those reasons, New Zealand should shy away from a free trade deal. But Robert Reid of the National Distribution Union has a different view. 
our union wants to get away from often the hypocrisy that's talked about with labour standards in China. Um, and if we just go back a few months, the Chinese government, uh, with the Chinese unions, which, yes, are controlled uh, by the Communist Party of China, uh, but nonetheless do play, I think, a positive role in China, uh, have come out with a new labour code. Who objected to that labour code? It was Walmart, it was Nike, it was Microsoft, it was the American Chamber of Commerce who put huge pressure on the Chinese government to actually make its labour code go backwards. At the same time, we have American human rights organisations and even the Bush administration actually criticising and yelling and screaming at China for having bad labour standards. You can't have it both ways. And I think we need to really look at, uh, at who is responsible for some of the incidents of, of sweatshops, of forced labour uh, in China, and, she t- and who's taking advantage of those. It's often Western companies who are doing that and are very happy to have those things still existing. In my two or three trips to China, I did meet what you could call dissidents, uh, people who were trying to get better and more worker rights uh, in China, but I also met uh, the formal trade union movement. I also went into clothing um, and uh, textile mills. Sure, they were the best ones because that's what foreigners are always shown, but the textile mill, that one of them that we intend to, actually made New Zealand mills look like sweatshops. Any discussion about China can't ignore human rights, and in the past few weeks, the Chinese crackdown on protests in Tibet has led to more calls for the government here to delay signing the free trade deal. Claire Clark, Secretary of Friends of Tibet, was at a vigil outside Parliament protesting about the Chinese crackdown. She believes the New Zealand government needs to take a stronger stance. It has been a step in the right direction. We need more now. Literally, we need far more. I know the free trade agreement is is at the background of all of this, but we must go beyond thinking about issues of free trade. We must recognise that this is a truly large humanitarian problem. It's a human rights issue that's just going to grow. Inside Parliament, there's been heated debate as the Green MP Keith Locke has tried to put pressure on the government over the signing of the deal. When the Minister refers to economic uh, relationships, uh, is it the case that his failure to specify any human rights violations in China and to speak out publicly against them has something to do with him as the minister being muzzled by the government in its uh, pursuit of a free trade agreement with China. The Right Honourable Winston Peters. Of all the terrible rumours about Winston Peters, none of them have been about me being muzzled. (laughs) The fact is we acknowledge that economic reforms in China and a freer trading environment have lifted hundreds of millions of Chinese above the poverty line. But there are examples of human rights not having progressed at the same pace, and we have consistently always encouraged the the Chinese and the Chinese government to do better. The Prime Minister, Helen Clark, has become increasingly frustrated by questions about the issue, giving this terse reply at one of her post-Cabinet press conferences. China is a dictatorship. I've said that in words of one syllable here before. But she dismisses calls the government should link its concerns about human rights to trade. I've said many times that if New Zealand only traded 
and only entered into trade agreements with countries with which it had identical interests and views, then apart from Ireland and Switzerland and Scandinavia, it would be pretty thin pickings. The reality is New Zealand has different views with most countries on some issues. With China, it happens to be human rights. But that is not standing in the way of New Zealand having a broad-based relationship with China, and that includes a dialogue on human rights issues and the ability to say where we have a concern where there is violence. National's Tim Grosser agrees. Human rights is absolutely an issue that should be considered, uh, but it should be considered through channels that actually work, not through channels that we know don't work. So we've taken a view, and John, uh, John Key was uh, very clear in the Parliament in a statement on this, that um, we know there are serious human rights abuses going on in China. There's probably serious human rights abuses going on in the majority of our trading partners. It's the reality, since the majority are developing countries, and they do have a series of human rights abuses. So we think, you know, there's a time and a place where you have to actually raise the profile of your deep concerns over these issues. But mixing it with the trade agenda, to me, is, well, the very least I could say is uh, counterproductive. John Hong from the Chinese Business Roundtable of New Zealand, also dismisses the calls. It's only a small amount regarding the human rights. Yeah, it does exist everywhere in the world. But in Chinese government, I think they are trying their best to deal with this kind of issue. How important is it for China, given that this will be the first free trade agreement it's signed with a developed country, a Western country? I mean, how significant is that for China? I think it... It's of vital importance for China to sign the FTA with the uh, developed countries. And New Zealand is lucky now to be the first one. It's really pioneering. It's important, starting from New Zealand, China is going to sign the FTA with uh, Australia and some other developed countries. But New Zealand is the number one, take the flank position. I think it will bring a huge benefit for New Zealand. The United Future leader Peter Dunn, a critic of China's human rights record, opposes using trade sanctions to put pressure on the communist state. Long-term free trade inexorably and inevitably leads to the democratisation of China, to, the, uh, to, to issues such as how, how you deal with the emerging middle class, uh, human rights, uh, the Chinese judicial system, all of those sorts of things, inevitably will be forced to change uh, because of the exposure to international trade. But where I become somewhat suspicious is the implication that says, therefore, we don't need to do anything too much in the meantime, just let things carry on as they are and wait for this inevitable evolution to occur. And the Foreign Minister, Winston Peters, has also told Parliament opposing the deal would hurt New Zealand interests. I have to say that unilaterally abandoning trade and commerce with China over the Tibet issue will not advance New Zealand's interests. We would lose our standing in that important and growing market at a time when there are growing concerns about the world economy. So does that mean New Zealand First supports the free trade agreement with China? On that point, Mr Peters is coy. But as a political party, we've been opposed to free trade agreements with low-wage economies. Uh, our caucus view on this free trade agreement is to wait and see the detail to see whether there's anything different or new that would take us away from our policy. We've not seen the detail yet, but when we see it, we'll let you know what our views are. In the end, though, the views of New Zealand First, or the Greens for that matter, will count for little. National supports the agreement, meaning it has overwhelming support in the Parliament. And while a One News Comar Brunton opinion poll found 49% of those polled opposed the deal, a UMR Insight poll commissioned by Labour found more thought the deal would be good for New Zealand than bad. 
the government remains confident once details of the agreement are released, there will be little public angst about the deal. But the Greens co-leader, Russell Norman, remains unconvinced. I think it's quite shocking that Labor, and with National standing beside them, are happy to sit in a room and negotiate a preferential trade deal while in the corner of the room Labor activists are being beaten up effectively while they're negotiating such a preferential trade deal. Um, And I just wonder how they sleep at night.